How many of y'all were already ready for Friday? Raise your hand. Come on. Fridays, hallelujah, Fridays are our favorite uh, part of the week, wouldn't you say? It's a proven fact that Fridays bring more smiles to people's faces than any other day of the week. We see Fridays as the welcome wagon for the weekend. And by Thursday, we're already high-fiving ourselves that we've made it through another week. But there was a Friday in history that changed Fridays forever. And so we should be excited about that. So if you will, will you turn to Luke chapter 22, 1 through 20, because Friday's coming. Here's what it says. It says, Now the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus. For they were afraid of the people. And then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. Well, they were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread in which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John and say, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. Jesus replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to that house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, the teacher asked, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this, excuse me, take and divide among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way... After the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The last chapters of 19 through 24 detail the the final week of Jesus' life. Now, we may think that our weeks when we go to work is mundane and sometimes seemingly unproductive, but that wasn't the case for the last week of Jesus' life when he was on earth. So let's kind of go back in time and let's look at what was actually taking place the last week of Jesus' life. In chapter 19, Jesus enters Jerusalem. He's riding on a donkey. He's come here for the Jewish feast of Passover. We call it Palm Sunday, which would be today. 
Palm Sunday marks the beginning of Passover week. And no matter where you lived in the world, if you were a Jewish male, 21 years or older, you were required to come to Jerusalem to participate in three of the major feasts. Passover was one of the major feasts. Now Jesus has come here along with his disciples from the upper Galilean region. It's a walk of about 85 to 90 miles. He has come here like many generations before him to celebrate the Passover meal that they will share with Jesus. But little do the disciples know that this is the last Passover that they will share with Jesus. Chapters 20 and 21 detail Jesus. He's in the temple courtyard area. He's teaching and he's ministering to the people. Chapter 22, what I just read to you, talks about the Passover. In less than 24 hours, Jesus will be hanging from a cross. Now, Leonardo da Vinci captured this moment. In our culture, it is called the Last Supper. And when you look at this picture, right off the bat, I will tell you there are some things that are right, and there are some things that are wrong. The Last Supper looked nothing like this at all. First of all, da Vinci took some artistic liberties, I'll say, because he painted the disciples kind of girly looking, don't you think? They would have never looked like that because in Jewish culture, they were forbidden men were to have long hair. Leonardo da Vinci also painted the disciples at a, a long rectangular table. That too is also Incorrect. The actual kind of table that the disciples would have been at at the Last Supper was called a triclinium. It was a, a U-shaped table. It was built low to the ground. The disciples would have been around this table and they would have been in a reclined Jewish fashion. They would be resting on their left elbow and they would eat with their right hand. Now, Leonardo da Vinci did get Something's right in this picture. It says in John, the book of John, that John leaned on Jesus' breast. Now this would have only been possible if John would have been to the right of Jesus. As a matter of fact, the way that uh, Leonardo da Vinci uh, portrayed John actually gave rise to a conspiracy theory. That was Mary Magdalene, but actually it's just a very feminine looking John. It also says in Matthew that Judas dipped his hand in the same bowl with Jesus, confirming that that Judas would have been to Jesus' left. Okay? So, if you've been around church long enough, you're very familiar with the language that's found in the Scripture that I read because that's the language that we quote when we share communion here at CFM. You say, well, Bill, what does communion actually represent? It represents the remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us. The bread being a symbol of his body. The wine being a symbol of his blood. Now, communion did not originate in the new church as such as a ritual, but actually it was taken from the Passover, 
That's where it was taken from. And so when we celebrate communion here, we're actually preserving an element of the Jewish Passover. But to understand one, you have to understand the other. You say, why is that necessary, Bill? Because Jesus links the two together. Jesus takes a 1,400-year-old Jewish feast and he links it to his own death on the cross. And by doing so, he brings a new meaning to an old feast. Now, I want to give you a quick history lesson about the Passover. And y'all probably already know that. But about 1900 BC, a group of 70 Israelites, which at this time comprised of the entire nation of Israel, they left Israel to go down to Egypt because there was a famine in the land. And so the 70 go down and they're eventually reunited with one of Jacob's 12 sons, whose name was Joseph. Y'all remember him, right? He was sold into slavery by one of his brothers. Now he was thought to be dead, but he really was very much alive. And so the 70 go down and it's this beautiful story of love. It's this beautiful story of forgiveness, And so as they go down there, they realize that during this time that God has protected Joseph. But God has also promoted Joseph. So much so that he's the second most powerful man in all of Egypt next to Pharaoh. But eventually that Pharaoh dies. And with it so does the favor. A new Pharaoh takes over. He doesn't feel the same way. He begins to resent the number of growing Hebrews in his country. And so what he does is he enslaves them for 430 years to build some of the greatest cities in Egypt. But during these 430 years, the Hebrews grow from 70 individuals to a few million. The Bible says that the Hebrews, that they cry out to God... God hears their cries. He sees their oppression. And so God raises up a deliverer, a prophet from among them. And his name is Moisha. We know him as Moses in our Bible. But God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and demand that he lets my people go. Now you have to understand that there are people in the land of Egypt who have never seen the promised land. Pharaoh refuses to let the people go. So, so God unleashes a series of nine plagues to, to wear Pharaoh down, but he's still reluctant to let God's people go. And so God finally unleashes the most severe and devastating plague of all, and it's the death of the firstborn. Every man, every woman, every child, every livestock was to die. This plague is so severe that that Pharaoh not only allows the people to leave, he demands that they leave his country altogether. However, the Hebrews who lived in the land of Egypt at this time, God gave very specific instructions He told them that that they were to to slay a lamb. And they were to take the blood of the lamb and they were to put some of the blood over the doorpost of the home. And as as God moved through the night to administer the death sin, the Bible says that God would see the blood of the lamb 
And he would pass over those homes that were marked by the blood of the Lamb. Thus the name Passover. Now Passover was the first of an eight-day feast. The seven days following that was called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Because the Israelites left in such a hurry... They didn't have time to add leaven to the bread. The Bible says that they grabbed their kneading bowls and they simply ran. This week, Jewish families all around the world will share a Passover meal. They'll recite certain prayers. They'll sing certain songs. They'll eat particular foods that remind them of the hardship of their people and the deliverance from the hand of Pharaoh. And oh, what a deliverance that it really was. It was a great deliverance. But then Jesus comes along and he brings this new meaning to the Passover meal. Jesus begins to speak of this greater deliverance. Friday's coming. Friday's going to be here soon. It's coming. It's about to come. And so Jesus, he, he comes and he takes the bread. And he blesses the bread. The Bible says that he takes the bread and he breaks it. And he gives it to his disciples. And he says, take each of you. This is my body that's broken for you. Take it each, each of you, in remembrance of me. What Jesus is saying that, listen, this is my body. This is my body that's broken for you. This is a picture of my body, a picture of my life without sin that's given for you. Then the Bible says that Jesus takes the cup and he blesses the cup. The Bible tells us that it's the third cup. And we know it's the third cup because of these two words. It says after dinner. And any Passover meal that you go to, there's four cups. The third cup is called the cup of redemption. And so Jesus, he, he takes this cup and he blesses us. Here is the typical Jewish prayer that Jesus would have said and people who are Jewish today still say. He would hold the cup to heaven and he would say, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Jesus adds this. This is the blood of the new covenant. It's poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. For the forgiveness of sin. Wait a minute. The disciples think, what, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is bringing a total new meaning to this feast. Jesus is saying, look, you've always thought all along that it was pointing to this deliverance in the past, but actually it's pointing to something forward, an even greater deliverance that's greater than a deliverance from the slavery of Egypt, but towards a deliverance from the slavery of sin. Jesus brings a whole new meaning to this ancient feast. That's important for us to know. You say, well, Bill, how is Jesus our Passover lamb? In Exodus 12, 3, it says that the lamb was selected and inspected on the 10th day 
on the month of Nisan, the tenth day. That's when the lamb that they were to take from the flock was to be inspected. They were to watch it for 10 days. Don't slaughter it yet. But you are to look for 10 days to make sure that there's no spot. There's no blemish. It's not crippled. There's no defect in the lamb. Jesus, when he was selected and inspected on the 10th of Nisan, which is Palm Sunday, right? He rode in Jerusalem on a donkey. That's when they saw the lamb. Here's another one. The lamb was to be a year-old male. It was very specific. It had to be a year-old lamb. When was Jesus killed? 33 years old in the prime of his life. The lamb was to be without defect. No disease. No defect. Had to be absolutely perfect. In 1 Peter 1.19... Peter said that Jesus was our Passover land. He knew no sin. He was without spot. He was without blemish. The lamb was to be sacrificed on the 14th of Nisan at twilight. Now, in Jewish culture, twilight was the time between two evenings. A Jewish day started at sundown. Our day, based on the Roman calendar, starts at midnight. Okay, so the Bible goes and tells us that Jesus was crucified on the 14th of Nisan and died at the ninth hour. Using Roman time, that's 3 p.m. At the very moment that Jesus was on the cross being crucified and dying, the lambs were being slaughtered. On the Temple Mount. That's not a coincidence. That is God fulfilling the prophecy that Jesus was our Passover lamb. The bread matzah was without yeast. Jesus was the bread of life. Jesus said that about himself. He said, I am the bread of life. The lamb was to be sacrificed without breaking a bone. Exodus twelve forty six. Contrary to popular belief, Jesus was not crucified in the hands because he would have slipped out. He was crucified in between the bones in the wrist. Also, it says that not one of his bones was broken when it come time at twilight for Jesus to be finished off. The Roman soldiers came along. They would normally would break the legs of the person who was being crucified, but when they saw Jesus, he was already dead. And so the Roman soldier took a spear, and he ran a spear into Jesus' side, up into his heart. Not even a bone was broken. The Bible says that fluid came out. The spear had punctured the epicardian sac in his heart. But not a bone was broken. Jesus fulfilled that also. In Psalm uh, thirty-four twenty, David actually prophesied that not a bone would be broken. The blood of the Lamb was God's gracious provision to save the Jews in Egypt. Jesus as our Passover Lamb, the blood of Jesus was God's gracious provision to save both Jews 
and Gentile, which we are Gentiles. And so to sum it up, I'll say this. Passover passed through Moses. Passover commemorates the deliverance of the Jews from the slavery of Egypt. Passover present through Jesus. Passover commemorates deliverance for all who believe from the slavery of sin. That's huge. Isn't that huge? Can I get an amen? Yeah, that, that's what Christ did for us. And so I can't think of a better time than for us to have communion today. Keeping in mind what this week really represents. What Jesus did for you and I setting us free from the penalty of sin. The slavery. And being delivered into the, the kingdom of God for this, this new life. You say, well, Bill, how am I supposed to feel about this week? If you are a born-again believer, I want to tell you, feel free. Because that's what Jesus died for, to make you free. But I want you to remember, too, that you're responsible. I'm responsible. There was no other way for you to be set free from the slavery of sin except for Christ be crucified on your behalf. And you would have no eternal life had Christ not died and rose from the grave. That's why you have eternal life. Next week we'll celebrate Easter. We'll celebrate that fact of our faith. And so as you go through your week, you think about all the things that Jesus did for you this week. And so I'm going to ask the communion servers to come and come to the stations. And we're going to take a time to be quiet. And we're going to share communion. And we're going to do what Jesus said. We're going to do this in remembrance of what he has done for us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you that you were the deliverer that was promised to come and you did. And God, thank you that when we look... We look at our life and we realize that, that our hearts and the blood of Christ have been poured out upon them. And that when you see us, God, that you see a heart that's marked by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for passing over us and not giving us what we deserve, but setting us free. Jesus, we love you for all that you are, all that you've done. For your coming and your coming again. Lord, we praise you. Lord, as we commemorate, we celebrate our freedom in Jesus' name. Let us do so. Lord, with reverence and joy. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.